Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, where we share knowledge, philosophies, wisdom, and insight to help you on your journey in both sport and life. Introducing your host, Rob Riles. Hello, and welcome along to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast. Welcome along. It's Rob Riles welcoming you to another edition. Now, I don't know if this is the first time that you've tuned in to Leader Manager Coach or you've been with us for a while, but this particular episode has a distinct resonance with what we're about on Leader Manager Coach and has a particular level of importance, certainly for me as the producer of the podcast anyway. Now, as it currently stands, we are coming to a point which uh, I have decided to make the the end certainly for this particular period of leader manager coach and um, the next couple of episodes will explain in more detail about that decision and I can assure you that it's not a decision that has in any way been taken lightly and has absolutely nothing to do with anything in terms of quality or feedback or anything of that nature. Um, It is a personal decision and it stands as it does at the minute that at episode 300, which is in in the very near future, that will certainly be the end of this period of of leader, manager, coach, at, at least for the time being. And in light of that, and notwithstanding my desire to do so anyway, brings me on to this particular episode. And in this particular episode, as you will already understand by the title, we are going to look at one of the greats of English football management, Brian Clough. And I have based the research I've done for this particular podcast and the angle that we're going to take on it, certainly on my own experience of Brian Clough as a as somebody who's closely watched the world of professional football over the last four plus decades and more importantly, on his autobiography, Cluffy, Walking on Water, My Life. And without further ado, to go alongside the episodes that we've done on Pep Guardiola, Jose Mourinho, Bill Shankly, Jock Steen, Sir Alex, amongst others, here we go, Cluffy, Walking on Water. Now, there's probably... Not an awful lot new that can be said about Brian Clough. If you are anybody who's had an interest in English football over the last few decades, you cannot fail to know who Brian Clough is and was. Brian Clough was born in the 1930s in the northeast of England in Middlesbrough and went on to become an absolutely prolific, and here's where it's really interesting, centre-forward with a goal-scoring record that's bordering on unbelievable and went on to become arguably the greatest football manager that this country's ever produced and Brian always remained an an enigma he was outspoken he was a rebel he was talented and successful an intriguing a more intriguing character you would struggle to come across or create So here's leader-manager coach's insight into the great Brian Clough. 
As we said, he was born in the 1930s in Middlesbrough. And he would never say he was born into poverty, and but he was born into that working class era when leisure and material comforts were not as they are today in the Western world. It doesn't mean they didn't have a roof over their head. It doesn't mean they didn't have a solid family because that's one thing Clough did have. He references, like so many people, the role that his mam, as he calls her, played in his life. His mum, just like many other people's mums, was a constant in his life. It's something that he recognised later on in life that he took for granted. She was always there, as many mums are. Constants, never giving advice, just discipline and pure, unchanging, uncompromising love in terms of action. Food, clothing, warmth and a constant. How many people only miss their mum when she's not there? Cluffy was one of those. Maybe not quite as distinct as that, but he references mum, his mum, so much. It's a beautiful thing. He was brought up in a disciplined environment. Went out, played football in the streets, loved his cricket, went to school. One thing you get from understanding about Clough's childhood is that he did have this, and he talks about it so often and in so honestly, this conceit that he was good at certain things, football and cricket, and he was opinionated and he thought he was better than most other people and if not everybody else. And that stayed with him throughout his life and he admits that. One other interesting thing about Clough is his admiration for the great Muhammad Ali. We've talked about Muhammad Ali numerous times on the podcast. Clough was one of those people who was lucky enough to actually meet the great man and actually spend time with him. He was even interviewed by Michael Parkinson with Muhammad Ali. And uh, Clough referred to himself as the greatest, but in his book, he puts that into perspective and what he really believes, that compared to Muhammad Ali, he wasn't even in the same ballpark. But he admits to wanting so much to have been the greatest, like Ali was considered to be, despite the fact that he considers himself to be the greatest centre-forward that was ever been in the English game, and certainly the greatest manager. So that leads us on to the next point in Clough's life, which was the onset of tragedy. And how often have we talked about great managers and great people, great leaders, people who go on to do great things, coming about, or the onset of it, the start of it being when there was adversity and tragedy. So there was Clough playing for his local team, Middlesbrough. He also went on to play for probably his second closest team, Sunderland. And I may have this not exactly right, but I think I have the statistics say that Brian Clough scored 251 goals in 274 appearances. Now, anybody who understands professional football understands that that's not just good. It's phenomenal. Almost a goal a game. It's phenomenal. And then one wintry afternoon in a clash I think with a goalkeeper, Clough, although the details weren't known at the time, ruptured a cruciate ligament in his right knee. Essentially, his career was ended. He wouldn't know at the time, but that is what often happened in that era and that 
is what happened to Brian Clough. Now, Cluffy has never forgotten that. And it's obvious when you read about him that that devastation played a major role in his management success. It's hard to say how, it's hard to be too specific, but it obviously did. So Cluffy falls into that category of great manager who was a great player, but never fulfilled his potential because of adversity. How many times do we see that? He started off at Hartlepool as his first managerial job and um, had very, very humble beginnings. And as most of us know, went on to have phenomenal success, particularly with Derby County and Nottingham Forest. Interspersed with the, I suppose you could call it a tragedy of his 44 days at Leeds United. But without boring you with the absolute chronological details, which we will touch on, Clough goes into management and very quickly starts to become successful. He's disciplined, he's ruthless, he's a great decision maker. And he utilised, from the analysis that I've done on his career, a number of successful principles. So if you've got any desire to be a great manager, a great leader, some of these may help you. He admits this in his book, and it goes along with a number of other great managers. He forged an amazing relationship with the goalkeeper that he played with called Peter Taylor. Clough and Taylor. Yes, Clough was the boss, the decision maker. The book stopped with him. But he had this relationship, and it was a friend relationship, which happened to be a relationship where they dovetailed extremely well. All the things that Clough was great at, Taylor wasn't so good. But all the things that Clough wasn't good at, Taylor was great at. A great recruiter. He had a great eye for a player. And he was happy to let Clough be the number one. So they got a great relationship. How many times have we seen that where 2 plus 2 doesn't equal 4, it equals 7? That seems to certainly be the case with Clough and Taylor. Are you struggling to find that extra edge to help you stand out above the crowd? Separating yourself from the rest is often about personal leadership. Achieve your true potential and become who you really can be. The Leader Manager Coach Pro Course is a unique membership accessing the knowledge and wisdom from history's greats that will help you develop both personally and professionally to make you truly stand out. The Leader Manager Coach Pro Course. Access now at patreon.com Leader Manager Coach. Although this can be a common theme from managers from yesteryear, Clough was also a very simple manager, or so it seemed. He certainly liked to portray that, but I actually think he was. I have actually spoken to players who played for him personally, and as well as enjoying the actual stories of their life, working life with Brian Clough, he did seem to have a very simple philosophy, and how he got away with it is almost unbelievable, but that's what he seemed to do. He certainly tells of his dislike of complexity and modern coaching systems. He believed in recruiting good players and letting them play. Sounds simple, doesn't it? But when you look at the statistics of the teams who spend the most on good players, they tend to be the most successful. So if you want to have a successful team, you need good players. Clough recruited good players. But, but, what he did, he recruited good players in a couple of different ways. He recruited, yes, he did spend big money on what were considered to be world-class players. 
Colin Todd, for example, Roy McFarland, for example, Dave Mackay, for example, Trevor Francis, for example. Big money at the time. But he also recruited players who were considered to be past their best. Kenny Burns, for example. Larry Lloyd, for example. People, players who were obviously talented, had done the business, but were considered to be past their best. Cluffy used them and got two, three and more years out of them than anybody else believed was possible. He had a great philosophy also about the spine of a team. He believed you needed a great goalkeeper, a great centre-half or a central defender and a centre-forward who could score goals. Again, when you look at it in the cold light of day, if, if, if you employ the philosophy that football's about what happens at the two ends of the pitch in the penalty area and everything else in between is irrelevant, then Clough's philosophy fits in with that perfectly. Two great players who keep the ball out of the net, your centre-half or central defender and your goalkeeper, and somebody who puts it in the net at the other end, your centre-forward. And everything else works around that. Pretty simple. Obviously, highly effective in terms of Clough's success. He believed in man management, not coaching, really. He poo-poos very much the Football Association, the coaching badges, and the highly complex technical issues that facets and aspects of the game that went on and go on now. He was very much a man manager, highly successful. And the last thing I want to say is, like Shanks and like Fergie and like Pep and Mourinho to a lesser degree, I suspect, in the modern age, he ruled the roost from top to bottom. He knew what went on in every department of the club and he made sure it was how he wanted it. Football clubs at the top end today are too big for that, for one person to be able to do that. They've got out of control in terms of size and number of employees and administrative challenges. It's enough to do the media be in charge of the squad and the team and make sure nothing negative impacts that, never mind being involved with the academy, the young players, the uh, nutrition, the psychology, and everything that goes with it. So utilising those key players, those key principles, sorry, Clough with Derby County took them from obscurity and possible relegation to First Division, or as we call it today, the Premiership, and won the league with Derby County. He went to the next city, Nottingham, took over Nottingham Forest, again with Peter Taylor, took a team from obscurity and again, possible relegation. Got them promoted to the top division, today's Premier League. Not only won the league championship, but also won the European Cup. Not once, but twice in successive seasons, as well as multiple league cups. So that was Clough's success. What about Clough's challenges? Well, he had that infamous 44 days at Leeds United. And it was almost a story that you couldn't write. His arch rival at the time, Don Revy, had left. Clough was in a position to do the job, got offered the job. And as he freely admits, the whole thing became a nightmare and a disaster. He was away from home in his family. He was alone. He tried to change a highly successful unit 
in rapid time, tried to do too much too soon, upset too many players, too many people, and ultimately failed in his quest to stamp his authority and his way of doing things on a highly successful, already established organisation. He admits he got it wrong. He admits he was egotistical. He admits he didn't listen. And he admits now he did it the wrong way. He also admits that his ego, his self-belief, his confidence, his conceit got in the way with his personal relationships. He says he doesn't know how his wife put up with him, but above and beyond that, he had a fallout with his best friend in football, Peter Taylor. And because of his ego and his attitude, he never could bury the hatchet and go back, hold his hand out, shake hands and say, let's make up and just move on. And that never happened. And uh, it's a sad thing when people go to their grave without making things up when they wished they could have just buried the hatchet and put away their own ego. Clough also admits that they left Derby County when they were on the brink of successes even greater than what they'd already achieved. They believe, Clough believed that he would have dominated, and who knows whether he's right or wrong, but would have dominated English football for the next decade, maybe like Liverpool have done and maybe like Manchester United have done. But his ego got in the way, they were not prepared to compromise with the board or the owners, and they left. Clough now looks back on that and wonders if he should have done things differently. And a lot of these things seem to have come out to him in his retirement when he admits to having time to sit and think. And when you analyse Clough's success, like Jack Charlton says, he was a dictator. Like many managers were, those the last of the Victorian type managers. Ruled the roosts from top to bottom, as we've already mentioned. That cannot happen today. It doesn't happen today and would be extremely rare if it did at a, at a larger club, certainly. He was the decision maker and was not scared to make decisions. He was unorthodox. I've spoken to players who played for him and Clough's, during Clough's successes, when he became European champion with his teams and champions of England, he would say to his players on a Saturday night after the game, okay, fellas, see you Thursday. Take Sunday, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday off. I will see you on Thursday. Four days off? Probably never happens now. Once a season, maybe, possibly. Fear. People are frightened. All his training was done with a football. One of the early adopters of such a philosophy. Didn't believe in unfiltered running. Believed in ball work. Now, one of the things that blighted Clough's life, and he admits to it readily, although I think he still had that reticence to be totally honest to himself, says that drink had a massive adverse effect on his life. And he was not adverse to not only allowing his players to drink, but encourage them to do so. And often on the way to games, before games, would stop off at restaurants, allow players to drink. He thought that a relaxed player doing what he wanted to do and engaging in that kind of behaviour was a positive. Well, when you look at his results, you cannot argue with that at the time. It's hard to make a rational case for it with today's sports science education and knowledge. But the facts speak for themselves. Clough was a great one for relationships with families. He often sent flowers to wives and his way of getting an influence over the player was to 
speak to his, the player's wife. And uh, has there ever been a more masterful psychologist than that? I ask myself. Clough talks about not ruling by fear, but when you speak to players, and I say I spoke to more than one of them who played for him, they were frightened stiff of Brian Clough. They would hide in the corridor rather than walk past him. He was an unorthodox. He would pull no punches and he would be demanding in terms of what he wanted. But it was simple. I spoke to a defender who he told to, when he got the ball, give it to somebody who can do something with it. And the time that he didn't, he got slated. He used this amazing John Robertson just to get the ball in the box. A player who was the most unlikely looking professional footballer, according to Cluffy and many others that you would ever come across. But a genius who helped Brian Clough to win more than one trophy at the highest level. The sad end to Clough's management career came when Nottingham Forest were relegated. And it was obvious watching at the time that Clough was making what seemed to be really poor decisions. He didn't seem to be on top of it and he seemed to be severely under the influence of alcohol, which he, in his book, admits. He admits the mistakes, he admits the alcohol problem, and he admits the problems that it caused in his life. It was a sad end, professionally, and obviously personally, I assume, for a great man. And uh, I think everything, or most things, have been said about Brian Clough from a football perspective. But I hope that this episode has added a little bit of colour to it. But I couldn't leave leader, manager, coach in the first 300 episodes, having talked about Fergie and Pep and Jose and Shanks and Fergie uh, and uh, Jock without touching on the great Brian Clough. So whatever your own memories of Cluffy, whatever your own thoughts, there's some great lessons in there professionally and personally. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. And I hope it's helped. Thanks for listening. Catch you later. Bye-bye. 